Hey guys, this is Johnny, and real quick, I want to tell you about the next Nomad Summit Conference that is coming up here in Chiang Mai, Thailand, January 17th through the 21st, 2020. Come out here. This is our sixth annual event in Thailand. You're going to love it. We're expecting 400 digital nomads. It's going to be a three-day event with a bunch of optional workshops, a bunch of you know uh, events afterwards to go out. We're going to go to Sticky Waterfalls. We're going to do all these cool networking things. So check it out. Get your tickets at nomadsummit.com. Welcome to the Travel Like a Boss podcast, where we interview location-independent entrepreneurs that travel the world like a boss by being their own boss. Here's your host, Johnny FD. Hey guys, this is Johnny and welcome to episode 238 of the Travel Like a Boss podcast. I am back in Chiang Mai, Thailand, and I am with Luis Alberto from Guatemala. Welcome. Hey Johnny, hey guys, how are you doing? Yeah, really good. Uh, it's nice to be back in Chiang Mai and it's nice to have a Guatemalan digital nomad. I think you're one of the first ones I've met. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, it's nice to be here uh, in Chiang Mai, uh, living this lifestyle. It's good to be here. Yeah, have you met any other Guatemalan like digital nomads or even travelers? I haven't really seen that many. Well, I have a friend of mine, uh, one of my best friends, uh, Rodrigo. He's traveling now around Southeast Asia, um, but it's the only the only one. I mean, I, I just met her because uh, it's my friend, but I think uh, it's the only one guy. Yeah, yeah. I, I have literally I've been, you know, a digital nomad for ten years, and I've met so many people from so many countries, and Guatemala, like you're literally the first person from Guatemala, <laughs> which really is kind of a shame because I, I was in Guatemala like nine years ago and I really liked it. I thought it was a cool country. Yeah, well, probably it's because we are so far from here. It's one of the reasons. And well, we are not used to travel a lot. I mean, the culture is different. So probably it's because of that. And actually... My friend is the first person I have ever met in my in my travels, you know. And so so you, did you meet him in Guatemala or did you meet him here? Uh, here, here and around the globe because I've been traveling for now just this year. But I've been traveling uh, last year in South America. I've been in North America and she's the only one I, I ever met in my travels, you know. So it's uh, it's weird. Just to find just one guy when you're traveling. I mean, someone from your country. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess it's not that big of a country, but it's still the population. It's not a small country, right? Do you know what the population yeah. is? Yeah. yeah uh, now it's about uh, 17,500,000. Yeah. So it's still quite a bit of people for like never, like even when I was in Mexico, which is not that far away, it's pretty close. I didn't meet, I don't think I met any Guatemalans at all. Mm, yeah, well, I don't know if I said before, maybe it's because we are not with that mindset about travels. Yeah. But also, I haven't met that many people who've traveled to Guatemala either. I mean, I guess there's probably, I mean, I, I've definitely met some, but it's been like a very small handful. You know, most of the time when I meet people traveling, they've been all over Europe, they've been to like South America. They've been to like Brazil or Colombia or Peru, but Guatemala just like not on the radar. Yeah, I think uh, we have a lot of things to to enjoy in, in my country. 
I mean, we have a lot of volcanoes. It's like a paradise for trekking. <laughs> yeah. So for those for people who don't know anything about Guatemala, uh, actually, so today, today's episode, the reason why I wanted to have Luis on is uh, later in the show, I want to talk about kind of the business stuff, and, you know, and the struggles of being non-American and figuring out online business, uh, but also, you know, the places he's been. But then I also really want to talk about like Guatemala itself and traveling there because I think it's one of those kind of underrated places, you know, that you don't really hear about. And I, but I think that it's also one of the coolest places I've been. Ah, that's nice. <laughs> yeah, we are um, one of the those those destinations that people want to go because you see a picture about the volcanoes and Antigua is one of the main cities you can visit. But we have more than that. The culture is rich because we have a lot of um, people like uh, locals who come from the Majans. So we have a lot of ruin, Mayan ruins, volcanoes, lagoons, and the food is very authentic. So if you go there, you can find a lot of fun and mostly the culture is, is very authentic. It's funny, the nicest McDonald's I've ever been to, <laughs> like by far, was in Antigua. Yeah. Have you been to that one in the city center? It's so crazy. Like, I mean, first off, I want you guys to imagine this. There's to get there, there's like cobblestone streets that take you there. And you walk in, and I think they had table service. Like, you, I think you either order and then they bring it to your table, or you, I think you can even order off a menu or something. It was something weird that I just remember thinking, this is strange. I haven't seen this before. And I was sitting outside, and it was had a fountain and the view of the volcanoes. And I was thinking, oh my God, this is like the fanciest <laughs> McDonald's in the yeah, world. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true, probably. <laughs> yeah, the landscape uh, you can see from that city is, is amazing. It's cobblestone streets everywhere. And, and you know, I'm sure a lot, lot has changed since I've been there. But I also have a feeling well, that maybe, maybe not much has changed. Maybe a couple of things. But now with all this uh, technology you have in your hand now, uh, it's more crowded. But the good thing about that city is that you can find like uh, the infrastructure and the buildings are pretty much the same. Because... It's a city about uh, 500 years And it ago. actually reminded me a little bit of Chiang Mai, but without many tourists. Like a very quiet, smaller, older Chiang Mai. Mm, kind of, kind of. Could be something like that, similar. Like, oh, this is a great place to sit and have a coffee. Because Guatemalan coffee is really, really good. And chocolates as well. And the only thing that was missing at the time was good internet. And I'm a bit sad to hear that it hasn't actually gotten that much better since. Yeah, that's one of the... I mean, downsides of being <laughs> in Guatemala because sometimes internet is not running good. But yeah, uh, it will be better if you have a good connection because anything else is, is good to stay there for... But if someone wanted to, can they just get a SIM card and tether off their hotspot? Well, it's not that easy because... For example, to now I don't know how it's uh, going those things in my country because I've been all this year outside of my country. But it's not that simple to get a SIM card now because you need to show your ID or I don't know where else now. But yeah, probably you can get one. But yeah, I don't know. If yeah, it, it sounds like <laughs> things haven't changed much since I've been there like nine years ago. It's almost a decade ago. It's insane. But yeah, almost a decade, yeah. So actually what's funny is when I first arrived, uh, I was staying with a local local family because I wanted it was a homestay where I wanted to learn uh, Spanish. So I think included with it was 
one hour of tutoring at a local language school uh, per day. And then I get to live with like a local host family that only spoke Spanish to really like a, they call it like an immersion. And it's really popular in Guatemala. Um, well, actually in, in Antigua specifically. And people are saying that Guatemala is one of the best places in the world to learn Spanish because there's very little slang compared to uh, other Spanish-speaking countries like Mexico, you know, and it's a very neutral accent. So if you can learn Guatemalan Spanish, you can speak Spanish anywhere in the world and people understand you. Is, is that true? Yeah, it's true. Actually, uh, people uh, like our neighbor countries say that we don't have like own accent because we speak like very neutral. So what you're saying now is, is true because, for example, if you go to South America or Mexico, they speak like, uh, if you listen to someone speaking, I mean, like Mexican people, you, I mean, if I listen to them, I know that they are from Mexico. Or if I found something, find someone uh, speaking, I mean, from Colombia, I can identify them. Or from the Caribbean, for example, from, from Puerto Rico or something like that. But in Guatemala, sometimes it's difficult to... Yeah. Okay, so if you heard someone on the street say, Hola, vato, que paso, wey? Where are they from? <laughs> Mexico. <laughs> I'm glad I got my Mexican Spanish down. <laughs> and then what would like a Colombian sound like? Okay. Que paso, parce? Yeah. And so, and yeah, yeah and something like uh, that. So Guatemala is a really good place to learn Spanish. I actually highly recommend it for anyone who wants to go, especially like the immersion programs. Uh, it was so cheap too. I, I don't know how much they are now, but I'm assuming it, it's still probably very cheap to live there. Yeah, actually, if you compare to Thailand, it's pretty much the same, the prices. Maybe it's a little bit uh, more expensive in Guatemala. Like, um, as we speak now, maybe if you compare the prices to Chiang Mai, uh, maybe uh, 20% more you're going to pay for accommodation or food. Because it's, it's, it's very cheap, actually, living there. I mean, if you if you live in, for example, in the lake, Atitlan Lake, it's cheap. Or if you live not in the main city, Guatemala City, it's going to be cheaper. But I think you can have good deals with accommodation and food is, is cheap and it's good, I think. I can't figure out uh, how much it is, um, like kind of just, just looking uh, very fast. But I just I remember it was something like, I don't know, maybe a hundred something dollars a week, you know, to stay there, to have three meals included a day or two meals included a day for the Spanish classes. Like in total, it just like, it wasn't very much. And I remember my very first day there, uh, we had lunch with the family and I felt so bad because I didn't know a word of English. I mean, a uh, Spanish, like not, uh, not a freaking word. I, I think I knew how to say hola and that's it. <laughs> and I remember during lunch, um, I was so hungry. But I didn't know how to say una mas tortilla, por favor. <laughs> and I just sat there starving because I couldn't ask for more food. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. And I remember the very first day of uh, Spanish class I was with a tutor. She started going over grammar. And I was like, no, teach me how to ask for another tortilla. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember taking a piece of paper and just writing down like things I would want to say over dinner, you know, so like, thank you, the food is delicious or like, you know, can I have some more tortillas, please, or please pass, you know, whatever. And I remember just taking out this piece of paper with me and remember, and remember this guy's, this is like nine years ago. This is before, you know, iPhones, before um, Google Translate. So I literally just had this piece of paper with me and I'll take it out over dinner and I started just being able to like say these phrases. And in the one week that I was living there, 
I went from zero Spanish to like being able to say, actually, was it one week or two weeks? But either way, it was a very short amount of time. And I remember we had like a final test where we had to get up and in front of everybody, say, like introduce yourself and like say who you're, you know, uh, say your name or you're from. And I remember, I think till this day, like my my phrase was, uh, "Hola, me llamo Johnny. Yo soy Estados Unidos." Yo soy instructor de Bosale <laughs> and like just a few other random things. And I was just thinking, wow, I can't believe I can yeah. like, speak Spanish uh, now. I it's think insane. It's something, some, something similar has happened to me now in, you know, here in Chiang Mai because <laughs> uh, sometimes you, you need to order a special dish that, that you like and you know the name. And in some places they don't speak English. So uh, you struggle with that. Yeah, but I think uh, at least the basics to order food if you are hungry. <laughs> yeah, and actually till this day, um, my Spanish level and also my Thai level is competent in restaurants, but really nowhere else. <laughs> so like when I was in Mexico all the last couple of months, I can read the menu. Like I knew what everything was on the on the on the restaurant menu, you know, uh, and. I can order, you know, all the food and I can like even specify like, you know, I want it with like no beans or extra this or extra whatever. But then an entire restaurant's the same. I can like, you know, basically say everything I want. But aside from that, I can't have a conversation. I can't tell a taxi driver where to go. <laughs> but for me, like order, you know, like restaurant Spanish or restaurant Thai is the most important thing. Yeah, I think the same. I think I at least I, if I know how to get more food or how to order a, a dish. Uh, Somebody should actually come out with a series of courses that just teaches how to, like, you know, they can call it like the restaurant le like language learning or something and just have it be, like, it could literally be like a seven-day course on how to speak, you know, enough of XYZ language to order, to like, to read the menu, but also to order food. Because what's nice about it is you'll practice it every day. So, for example, like with a lot of conversational stuff, you it, you probably won't really use it every day, so it's hard, hard to remember. But if it's like restaurant stuff, you know, you'll use it literally every day, like three times a day. So it's really easy to get it like, you know, honed in and, and never forget it. Yeah, that sounds good because uh, as you said, well, you need to eat every day and three three times a day so you're going to be practicing and repeating so you're going to improve maybe just at least with the food conversation yeah. <laughs> in this yeah, case so like right i've been out of thailand for a year and i completely forgot how to say everything but then i went to the restaurant and i was like oh you know sweaty cup you know common guy cup <laughs> like you know like i want the chicken rice <laughs> like hello and It just comes back instantly because <laughs> I, I said it, you know, probably, you know, 400 times the last time I was in Thailand. Yeah, now uh, I am here in, in, in Chiang Mai in sometimes uh, I think, well, I, I should learn like more than just the basics because, yeah, you're, you're welcoming when you speak uh, like their language here. If you speak Thai, you, people is more like, oh, at least he's trying to speak uh, Thai. And maybe you sounds funny, but they try to help you to to understand you and to say how how specific, how to say 
that war or yeah. that dish. And I think just in, like the correct they, way. They pre- yeah, they definitely appreciate you just trying. So even if you're not very good, you know, they're like, okay, at least he's trying and he's yeah. not just like a, a three-day, you know, package tourist or something. Yeah. And an- another thing uh, is that if you're just coming for just vacation or holidays, at least just try to say hi and thank you. Because I've been traveling sometimes with the uh, foreigners, foreigners, right? So, and they always say, uh, they always speak English and they don't even say uh, Capon Crap or Sawadee Crap, you know? And at least you have to say hello and thank you or, or sorry. And if you're going to stay longer, at least uh, two or three months, I mean, in my case, I will learn more than the basics. And now I am trying to figure out how to say those delicious dishes I like because I always order in English, but now I need uh, I, I'm going to start. What are some of your favorite dishes here in Thailand? Ooh. Well, um, khao soy is my favorite, my number one. Curry noodle soup. But I don't know. It doesn't sound good when you say curry noodle soup. Imagine... Like egg noodles with also crunchy noodles on top, and then it some like a you know chopped red onions, I think cilantro and some other kind of herbs, dried like pickled vegetables, and then like curry chicken put on top. Yeah, and they give you uh, some lemon to add to the to the soup. This curry soup, and also do the um, love more. Love more is uh, like a which sounds pork sounds salad, weird, but minced pork salad, right? It, it's like it's good. It's like a what, like minced pork uh, with herbs and chopped red onion again with like some spice and roasted rice, grinded. Oh really? Oh, yeah, yeah, wow. and lime. Yeah, it's sour and a little bit spicy. Yeah, it's it's really good. It's one of my favorites actually. <laughs> I, I think. It reminds me a lot of Mexican food because there's always like spices and lime in there. But Guatemalan food is not. Does it have that? Well, we the food in Guatemala is um, the base is tomato. I mean, tomato and corn. Yeah, we eat a lot of tortillas, as you said, but we don't eat as spicy as here, and we have more like uh, broths. You know, like kind of kind of soups. So we have our our main dish in Guatemala is pepian. It's one of the of my favorites. Actually, it's my favorite dish in my country. And well, we don't have a variety as Mexico, for example, but we have uh, good dishes. I think I at least now I can easily say easily say five of my favorite. But if you go there and if you don't try pepian, you you didn't go to. You know, I have to try to remember if I had it. I'm sure it did, but it, I just looked it up. It's chicken and spicy pumpkin and sesame sauce. Let me see if I can find a photo of it because I'm super curious now. Okay. Yeah, that's um, yeah, that's um, chicken pepian because we have a uh, like three types of pepian with pork ribs and chicken and and is it normally served beef. with rice or with t- tortillas yeah, or all, what all the yeah all all the brats or soups in this case because it's kind of soup and curry it's like a mix you know uh, we always get rice and tortillas on the side and sometimes they give you some salad but 
we the, the way you eat um, this dish is not like in you, when you are in Asia that you add the soup or the curry to the rice. Oh it's wow! The opposite. Yeah. You That's add funny. the rice to the soup. Why do you do that? Yeah, it's funny. Well, I don't know. It's everybody does that, but I think uh, it's because you use more the spoon when you are getting that dish. Like if you have a soup, you know. So maybe okay. Yeah, it definitely makes sense. That. I all I remember about the food in Guatemala was I ate a lot of tortillas, uh, lots of beans. For breakfast, it was always like eggs and tortillas. Yeah, that's the typical breakfast, the Guatemalan breakfast. Scrambled eggs or fried eggs with uh, beans and sometimes um, plantain or, or banana and tortillas. You always get tortillas always. in the morning, lunch, and evening. <laughs> I remember um, the host family I stayed with in Antigua they served really good food and they would eat with us so it was like um, you know it was really like being part of the family and I really enjoyed it but the host family I was with in like Atalan I think they were kind of just treating it as like a business to get some extra money so they wouldn't even you know they would serve us like food because they had to but they would not eat the same food as they gave us <laughs> they would like yeah they would you know like they would eat their own food and then they would just give us um, something else and it was almost like maybe it was because they thought we wanted different food than them so you know it that could be it but I just remember always being hungry and sometimes I would just end up eating like 10 tortillas <laughs> like very little anything <laughs> else oh well I, I I don't know about that but maybe they have that concept about the well Western people is not gonna like their own food. Maybe it's because of that. And if if you can find, uh, for example, family uh, like a typical local family, the food they get is very basic. So probably it's because of that. Yeah, but for me, like I love the local food, you know. But I guess it, it was the same when I visited my relatives in Taiwan. I was so excited to have Taiwanese food especially like Taiwanese street food. and But instead, they they served me chicken nuggets because they were like, oh, he's American. This is what he eats. And I was so disappointed. I'm like, what, like, what is this? And then even at Taipei, like I went out with my mom's friend and she took us out and she wanted, you know, so she took us to like the buffet at the Hilton or something. And it was just like Western food and it was really expensive. And I was like, I don't want this. I want like cheap street food because yeah, that's true. That's why um, I'm here. I've been traveling now around Southeast Asia, and when I enter to a restaurant, I and I see the menu. I don't want to see burgers or French fries or something like that. I always ask for the local food menu, and I think they have that concept that. Westerns or tourists like like different food from the for, from the local. I think it's also our fault as tourists. Not really necessarily like you and me, but a lot of like package tourists or people who don't travel much and they came for the first time. They're so afraid of eating different food. Or they're diff they're afraid of eating spicy food that they're a pain in the ass. 
And then they end up, you know, they have picky kids. So if you go to the really touristy restaurants or like hotel restaurants, especially in like Phuket or any like Koh Samoy or any of the kind of more touristy places, the menu will have Thai food, it like, like Italian food, like pasta, pizza, burgers. Like they'll have all these things and they don't do any of them that well because uh, they just like need to have every type of cuisine in the world on one menu just to like, you know, make the, like the kids happy to have a burger, or, you know, make, have the, you know, the teenagers happy to have a pizza. And then maybe one of the d- adults might order like Thai food, but they don't want it with any spice at all. So it kind of just ruins it for everyone. And if they do- don't, don't have that, then they lose that business. Yeah, that's true. And it's a good point because you need to like, supply all the demand you know and especially in those places that are so touristy of course you need to 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 have the supply for all the demand of people eating in your restaurant yeah but i also think that's super short-term thinking where like in the beginning it's kind of an easy guaranteed way to make some money but it's also a guaranteed way where you'll never be that successful versus if you said you know what we're going to specialize in like cow soy you know we're going to take the time to educate tourists what this dish is we're going to become the best cowboy restaurant in phuket like a destination place you know get good reviews like you know get people talking about it you know so when they tell their friends like oh when you go to phuket you have to eat at this you know miss you know johnny's you know cowboy or something you know then they can become very very successful they can really introduce like a good part of their culture to people and not pander to yeah the easiness one of for me, in my case, is that when I see a menu, and if you only find five, four, or three dishes, for me, it's a good sign that it's going to be a good restaurant because they specialize in those dishes. And uh, as you said, if they only focused on one or two or three, they are going to be good. Yeah, for I, sure. I definitely agree with that. So uh, going back to Guatemala, so I really liked Antigua as like a place to learn Spanish, to have coffee, to walk around, uh, and just kind of have like almost kind of like a nice life, almost like a Chiang Mai type life there. But for travel-wise, I remember going to some really beautiful places. Uh, so first off, Lake Atalan that you had mentioned was, I think they said it's the deepest lake in I don't know if it's the world or something, but it's it's a really big it's a really big lake. It's really deep, uh, and there's a beautiful like hike you can do. Probably, I guess, up a volcano there. Uh, have you have you done that? Yeah, yeah the, the the lake Lake Atitlan is surrounded by three volcanoes: uh, San Pedro, Atitlan, and Toliman. So you can imagine the landscape from the Panajachel town. You can see the three volcanoes in front of you. So it's amazing view. And the lake is surrounded as well by around 13 to 14 little towns. So you can choose where you want to stay. For example, if you go to San Marcos, San, San Juan, La Laguna, San Pedro, or Panajachel is like the most touristy place. But a lot of people go there, I mean, locals, tourists, and... You can find, if you want to be just chilling or relaxing, you can pick that, 
going to that place. If you want to be partying, you can find it. But yeah, I think it's it's uh, the the lake is is one of those destinations. When you get there, you feel excited to feel that vibe. You know what I mean? It's like uh, I don't know. You have to you have to be there to feel what I am saying now. Maybe you can say something about that. Yeah, definitely. So I actually uh, wrote a post about Guatemala. Uh, in 2013, so a few years after I was actually there, uh, but I, I really just wanted to, sh- to share with everyone. Uh, so I'll link it in the show notes, but you can just look for Guatemala on johnnyfd.com. But uh, I remember I, I pulled up this photo of me on the hike, kind of overlooking like Atalan, and it was really, really beautiful. And I also remember doing horseback riding around the lake too, yeah, which was so uh, nice. Um, you have to go to one of those places i mean those kind of viewpoints if you go to to those places you can see the i mean like the beauty of the lake the different colors because the lake has like six or seven different colors now i i'm not sure if is that that way because all i mean all people going there is contaminating the the lake it's sad but it's true so you can see the volcanoes and if you are in the top of the volcano you can see the sunrise and it's it's very it's very amazing i had the opportunity in 2013 to go for camping there in the top of the volcano and it was one of the best experiences i ever had i mean the sunrise the lake the little towns and all the volcanoes because you can see more volcanoes from there because you are from there, on the top so it's one of the best experiences experiences you can have in in the lake climbing a volcano yeah i really loved it uh, so i just looked up in my, actually my own article this is why it's i actually like writing uh, guidepost places because you know when i because i travel so much i forget like, the details of how much things were or like the name of the school i went to but when i write it down not only is it good to share with others but also i can go back and look at it so i just looked it up and i spent 200 dollars a week for a room three meals a day and private uh, spanish classes wow. that's cheap that's, that's, that's very so cheap. cheap i'm sure it's a little bit more now um but the school was called excel uh it's a, i think it's a mayan word how do you say that excel excel spanish school so you guys can check that out um and after uh, Antigua, or after like Atalan, I went to a really beautiful place, like mind-blowingly beautiful, Some called Champagne. Chambon- yeah, Champagne. that's uh, one of my favorite places in my country. Yeah, it's amazing. If you go to the viewpoint, you can see the beauty of the river because it's like a river, right? And uh, you have, I don't have to say that when you have uh, water, above and water under the it's like a river but yeah it, it's hard to explain it's uh it's almost like imagine tiered waterfalls like and that each of them fill a lagoon and then the water was so blue like so like such a beautiful color it was more like a teal color like imagine like a tiffany's box and it was i don't know how many waterfalls are there but like maybe like let's say five six of them that each fill up a lagoon where you can swim in and then they kind of fall again to the next one. So it was re- like a like a, a huge 
natural staircase yeah, of and you can stay there swimming pools for one hour and you don't feel the time i mean <laughs> you can stay there one or two hours and yeah it's it's an amazing feeling to be there because you are between two mountains and the river is in the middle so it's an amazing landscape i highly recommend that place if any of the following are trying to get there you have to go yeah for sure to Simok Chimpe. i definitely recommend it i would i would actually recommend spending more than a few hours there and just really taking your time because it's i would say it's one of the most beautiful places in the world i've been to really yeah. And it's very unique. Like I yeah, haven't seen anything I, like that I anywhere think the else. same. Uh, when I was in Guatemala, I used to go there at least once a year because for me it was uh, like a place for getting like good energy and I don't know, it's so peaceful and you can the people there is so friendly and it's so authentic and the food is I mean, it's very basic, but you enjoy the food because you are in between in that river and all that place is amazing. Yeah, definitely. I, I don't remember what I ate there, but I just remember the, the area was really nice. And then after that, I went to Tikal, uh, which is an ancient Mayan ruin. And I think it was filmed, it was the set, the location for Star Wars Episode Four. Uh where Luke and Han Solo flew the Millennium Falcon uh, on Yavin 4, whatever that means. That's like a jungly, rainforesty moon. Like, is is that what Tikal is famous for? Or nowadays, at least? Oh well, uh, Tikal is the main city of the Mayans. It was the main city of and the biggest one. So if you remember walking or wandering around Tikal, is like exhausting because. It's big, it's huge, and well, it's why it's so famous because you can find uh, a lot of ruins and big ruins. I mean, uh, you have this uh, famous, you can see in pictures, Grand Hawar, and it's one of the main pyramids. Yeah, it's not really nice, and uh, I don't know if they still allow you, but I remember you can climb up. No, now it's not possible. It's not possible. I mean, the grand, the, the main pyramid, the main the main ruin is not available now to to claim up. But in the other tree, you you can go up by the stairs. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah, I think uh, it's pretty much um, like being in the main pyramid but you're not that high so i got lucky going there early another reminder guys is don't pull off your travels because as places get more touristy like they think uh, places get closed off so for example komodo island in indonesia is has been one of the, the most amazing places i've been in the world and it was really cheap to go there and you can see komodo dragons in the wild you can snorkel with manta rays. It's like so freaking nice, but no, like very few people went there. Like so many people go to Bali, and then nobody takes that extra step to go to Komodo. And now it's almost it's it's too late now because I think uh, the government is 
restricting how many people can go to Komodo now, and they want to charge something like ten thousand dollars, like for a permit, just to like really limit like the tourism there. I think they are going to close the access to the um, Komodo Island. You you can just go to Power Island. I I went there like four months ago. And I consider that it's one. It's actually it's my favorite place in the world. And I was amazed when I saw all the view. It's it's yeah. It's you have to be there to appreciate what you have in in your travels. You know what I mean. And these kind of places, as you said, now a lot of people is concentrated in Bali, but they don't make make an extra step to go like the neighbor islands and you are missing if you don't go there amazing landscapes like i feel bad for the millions of people who have been to bali and people who spend months there you know it's not even like a time concern you know and it's not even really money concern because it's really cheap to to get to and also to stay in komodo just people were like, no, I'd rather stay here in you know Ubud and spend a thousand dollars on a, I you know some ayahuasca thing or a um, yoga you know retreat or you know or party it up somewhere and just drink beer all the time. <laughs> like, and they spent ended up spending the same amount of money, and they could have had a once in a lifetime experience in in nature, like the most beautiful place. Yeah, in the world. and that experience. For me, was uh, one of the best I ever had in my life because I took uh, the boat trip from Lombok. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, four days and three nights on the boat, eating on the boat, sleeping on the boat, and visiting islands like Virgin Islands and doing snorkeling every day. So the at the end, we, we got to the Power Island and Komodo Island the last day, and it was like your price for all that long trip because it was a little bit uncomfortable to to go by by boat because it's very basic but when i got there when i got there it was amazing for me it was unbelievable i was like a kid in disneyland for the first time like wow it's It's crazy i actually regret not doing that boat i I flew there instead Uh, but because I had heard it was a very uncomfortable boat ride. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what, well, what made it uncomfortable? Maybe if you book like uh, the best company, you're gonna be that. It's not gonna be that bad. But when I was there, it was full already. So I had to to book uh, the uh, cheapest one. And the um, I mean, you sleep on the floor. And just with a small mattress, and that's it. The food was good. Actually, I was a little bit surprised that the food was good when you are cooking on the boat. (laughs) You know what I mean? And everybody say that. Oh, yeah, I was expecting something. Like crap. Uh, Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, Actually, I probably would have brought like a bunch of food with me just in case. Oh, well, what kind of food was it? Vegetables, steamed vegetables. And one day before, one of the of those guys were um, fishing. Uh, next day we we ate. Oh, perfect! The, yeah, the fr- fresh fish. Nice. And, uh, and how much well, was that trip? It was. I remember it being I think really I cheap. I paid two millions two hundred U.S. dollars. <laughs> so it's <laughs> you have to be 
millionaire. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's not bad for a four-day boat trip, all meals included, you know, and also taking you to the island because my flight was yeah they the picked you at the hotel the first day they take you to the harbor and then start the trip from Lombok harbor and they drop you at the harbor of Labuan Bajo uh, and also for those who are interested in doing that trip you can stay last uh, day there or two days and do some scuba diving because around there are one of the most uh, spots for uh, i mean one of the most beautiful spots for scuba diving yeah i ended up staying there for actually i think almost a week uh, i was diving with scuba junkie and they're a great company and the diving there is amazing especially with all the the, the manta rays there it was one of the best places in the world. Uh, if you guys want to know more, just search for Komodo on Johnny FD. Uh, I'll put a link to that as well. But like a really, really cool experience. Yeah, yeah. I highly recommend that. And well, if you can do the boat trip from Lombok to Le Bombardier, it could be a good experience. Yeah, so for everyone who is, you know, thinking about going to Bali, it is so much nicer in Komodo. Like, Bali, it looks amazing in photos. So if you're an Instagram model or want a wannabe Instagram model and you just want to take nice photos, Bali's great. But everything else about it, like, it, it, it's there's, there's yeah, a way better place sure. in the world. Uh, yeah, for sure. Flores and all those islands surrounding uh, Flores are amazing. And if you have the chance to go there, don't yeah, miss definitely it. Definitely agree. So speaking of Flores... There's a Flores in Guatemala as well that I really liked. Yeah, we have a, a small island, Flores. It's between a lake. Uh, the, the lake is uh, has the same name, uh, Lake of Flores, and the small island is in, in the in the lake is Flores, and it's a beautiful island. I mean, it's very small, but I don't know. It's so enjoyable to walk around that island. And if you are planning to go there, you have to stay there because it's like uh, you have good restaurants, you have beautiful sunsets, and you can take a boat trip uh, on the lake. And yeah, it's not, it's beautiful island. It's small. It's really chill. I really liked it. And actually, I regretted not staying there longer. And I thought it was, it, it reminded me a lot of pie. Here in Thailand, have you been up there? Yeah, yeah, I. I it's I like have a been small in, hippie kind of chill place to hang out. Yeah, I like. Um, uh, well, if you, there is another place as well with that style, is uh, El Remate. It's on the road to Tikal. It's in front of the lake, but on the west side of the lake. Uh, Flores Island is in, in like in the center, in the middle, and if you go to the west. You can find that place, El Remate, and you can see as well beautiful landscapes. And you can stay in front of the lake. Nobody making noise. Nobody uh, bother you. So if you want to go there, it's highly recommended as well. I like that. So lots of cool places to to go in Guatemala. If you guys end up going there, there's one place I heard of. Uh, that's another mine ruin. And at least when I went, there was no access to it by road. You had to hike for five days through the jungle to get there. 
Yeah, el mirador. El yeah. mirador. Now uh, it's the same. You can get there just by helicopter or walking. So if you take the second, <laughs> the second option, you're gonna have a a nice adventure because I mean the experience to sleep in the jungle six nights because seven days uh, you're going to be walking but you sleep there you can you can choose five nights six nights seven nights that, uh, that's up to you but at least if you're going there you have to sleep five nights because to get there you only have access by walk or by air of course if you have a lot of money and you only want to Uh, spend just 20 minutes to get there take the helicopter of course but i think uh, it's a good experience for those who are interested in going there i highly recommend it uh, during um summer because the rain uh, in the rainy season is almost impossible to to walk in the jungle because you have huge trees and at night it's so humid that it's very cold so you can if, if you don't have a big coat or a warm coat you can sleep well and at, at, during the day it's very hot so you have to be prepared for the both sides of of the jungle do you know anyone who's been there like do you, have you met uh, anyone who's been I to went there in 2000, You've been there 2010 wow yeah i took that uh, trip with the uh, at that time back then i think There was just a couple of companies doing that trip because it was not uh, the demand is was not uh, that massive like now. Now, if you go there, you can find maybe more than five companies doing that trip. But you have to choose like a, one of the best ones because if you want, if you it's, it's pretty much the same as the Komodo trip we were talking about. If you want to be comfortable, you have to pay a little bit more. So you have to choose like the most expensive because they give you more food. <laughs> and like the tents for sleeping at night is are bigger. So you're gonna be more comfortable. How much did you spend for that trip? Oh well at the time I think I spent in local currency well US dollars will be something three hundred, something like that. Okay, that's not bad for like no, a week trip. But because it was uh, a local and I have a student um, carnet. So I, I had to show my student uh, ID. And I think the average pri price for that trip, for that uh, experience is... I don't know, maybe 600 or something like that. I'm not sure about that because I did it almost a decade ago. Oh, But yeah, was for it sure. Worth it? Yeah, I think that is one of the best experience I ever had in my country. Like, because what, what, like, what well, about it? Uh, you, like? you start walking the first day and you... I mean, the nature you have in, in the jungle is is very unique. You don't see those kind of trees anywhere and just sleeping in the jungle and you have a guide explain all the history because 
on the road you can find like a small uh ruins and the third day you get there and you sleep there and spend one day like uh, in the surroundings of the mirador and the sunset and the sunrise is one of the best i ever seen in my life because you only see jungle and the sun and it's very amazing i appreciate places that you you can't drive to so like for example in nepal they're making a huge mistake by creating more roads for people to be able to drive uh up the mountains to you know so basically making trekking easier so you don't have to trek anymore you can kind of just take a jeep up and i think they're getting paid a lot by you know like certain villages that like really want road access not even for themselves because i think they were fine walking up it was really just because they want more tourism there but what they don't realize is the reason why people like trekking is because it's the only way to get there if there was road access, it makes the track less exciting because you almost kind of feel stupid. Like, well, why am I trekking for a week when I could have just exactly. you know, drove yeah, for Yeah, if you hours? are going there, you have to be prepared that you are going to walk a lot. And the roads are just for trekking, as you said. And for example, uh, I heard like five years ago, some companies we're planning to to make a, a road but that doesn't make sense because you're gonna yeah maybe you're gonna get there faster and easier but the thing about that i mean is to take that road in the jungle and walk and do the trek and enjoy nature and have that experience yeah i like it did you use uh, like mules or like jackasses, the donkeys? Oh, yeah. They, I mean, the guide, they take a, a mule with the food and, and tent and water. They take sometimes two and you only take your own uh, clothes. Like your, if you want to take your sandals or your own water or snacks, that you're taking your own backpack yeah 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 like a daily backpack or something like that but i highly recommend if you are going there to take more food because you're walking all day long so you're gonna be hungry always every meal you're gonna eat more and sometimes i at that back then i thought oh i would like to eat more um yeah, if you if you want to go there, will be better if you take your own food. I mean, snacks or something like that, or some fruit. But fruit is not very good if you are going to be five days. Will be better something like uh, I don't know uh, some um, like those. Um, how do you say like that? Energy uh, bars, granola yeah, bars, yeah, maybe. Exactly. Okay. Yeah energy bars uh, by the way have you heard of or, or done the treks here in Chiang Mai there's like you can do it overnight or the best ones are like two or three days long where they basically take you up uh, and, and sleep kind of like no no in yet the jungle uh, a friend of mine recommend me to do that but I haven't do that yet it's nice it's so cool and it's actually really cheap it's it's, it's actually it's weird the way that they price it because if you do 
the normal tourist package, which has a bunch of stuff that you don't really want to do. Like they take you to like a butterfly farm. They take you elephant riding, which you shouldn't really, you know, you shouldn't support. That one is, and then they take you uh, for the actual trek. That one's really cheap. That one's like a thousand two hundred dollars or two hundred baht or something. So like forty, you know, forty-five U.S. dollars, and includes you know food, transportation, uh, overnight accommodation. The two-night one is only like ten dollars more, which is really crazy. So uh, that one's the best deal. But then the package where it's only walking, where you skip the elephant riding and you skip the like. You know, whatever you know, butterfly farm. Those are actually double the price. Those are like three thousand or four thousand baht, which is like a weird pricing. So what I always do is I always uh, get the normal tourist package one, and then I just tell them I don't want to do the elephants, or you know, if we have to go, then I just like sit it out. Oh wow, that sounds great and very cheap <laughs> for all what you get. Yeah, it's fantastic. And and my favorite time that I've done it was. During lychee season, because you walk by lychee trees, which is my favorite fruit in the world, and they're ripe. But you just pick as many as you want, and eat as many as you want. I remember just eating like a kilo of them off the tree, and then taking like another kilo of them in my backpack to eat later, and it was so good. Yeah. Uh, well, when you're walking all day, you need to eat more than you should. Yeah, definitely. You know? <laughs> so, uh, both Guatemala, really, really cool place to be. Uh, Thailand here, it's it's been really cool. What made you actually start uh, this nomad journey? Oh well, that's a good question. Well, my life was a typical uh, rat race journey <laughs> that you have, or I mean that you find in life. If uh, I was uh, driving in traffic jams every day. I was spending a lot of money on things that I don't remember. <laughs> I was in debt. Uh, well, I just was working because I I had to pay my, I mean, my expenses. So when I was in Mexico four four years ago or something like that, I I met a, a couple working in the hostel. So. I remember they were cooking and smell, smells in, smell in, in the kitchen was uh, very delicious. So I, I talked to them and we started talking about food. So then they um, invited me to join them. We started to talk about troubles and suddenly, I don't know why, I, I asked them, how are you how do you afford to travel uh, for eight months? And they said, well, we are working while we are traveling. So they, they give me all like the information about this kind of lifestyle to work and travel. And I was very curious about this lifestyle. So then when I was back in home at home, I decided to, well, we are going to do a research about this. And I Google it and I find uh, thousands of blogs about uh, trouble and just trouble, right? In Spanish. Um, I don't know uh, why I, I found 
a blog about um I don't remember. Ah, oh, yeah, I think it was uh, this guy, Nomadic Matt. And I was reading that blog, and then I started reading blogs in, in English. So I found that there was a, this kind of lifestyle, nomading, um, working, traveling. And I said, well, I can maybe I can do that. I'm going to start doing... Uh, the same things these people is doing or have been doing and well i found your your blog your podcast and started listening um, all those tips and the ways you can make money online and that was like uh well an opportunity to get a better life to make more money because Yeah, when you're working online, you usually make more money than you're working in a company. And what was your job back then when you were uh, yeah, researching all this? Well, I was working in a bank. Uh, I worked there for almost 12 years. So I did a plan. I said, well, let's go travel because it's always it's something that I always wanted to do. And I was traveling just for my holidays. Three weeks, four weeks was enough for me. 12 years at the company like it's really you invest a lot of time yeah into that career. well yeah. yeah that's true can I, can I <laughs> ask, uh, how much were you earning almost oh well yeah in u.s dollars it was around one thousand which in uh, guatemala is very good yeah. right yeah it's a good salary i mean it's not the best but i was 27 28 and for me it was more than enough and I decided that I wanted to quit and I did that plan. I started to, first I was in debt. So my first step was to get out of debt. Uh, credit cards, my car loan, our car insurance. Is that common well, a lot of in things. Guatemala? Because in the US, it's really common for people to have credit card debt. Okay. Because <laughs> I, I always felt like it was an American thing where other countries were like smart enough not to owe a bunch of money on a credit card. But for, I think Americans, it's like 80% of us Yeah, well, in debt. Guatemala, I don't know the percentage, but it's easy to get a credit card, especially for those banks who are new in their country and they try to get some new clients, you know, and they give you a credit card and they don't ask you for, I mean, like uh, a lot of things like the big banks. So it's easy to get a credit card and it's easy to get in debt as well. So I was one of those guys. Um, well, and I was working in a bank, so I knew how it works. So then I, I realized that I was like in that Uh, whole, you know what I mean? And I decided to start um, after getting out of debt, I decided to start saving money and at the same time trying to find a way to make money online So because that was my goal. I want to pause for a second and really reflect about this because you bring up a really good point and, and I never really thought about it this way until now, but most people in the world you know, especially in the U.S., but Guatemala as well, and probably in a lot of countries, we're working so much and we're commuting to work. You know, like how long was your commute to get to and from work every well, day? Well, in the morning, one hour, and 
at the evening, yeah, and, two hours. It's like, and in the US, it's really similar. That's insane. We're like, we're putting our bodies through, you know, torture. You know, it's a lot of mental stress. We're giving up, you know, 50 weeks a year of our life. And it's okay, I guess, if like we're working towards something or we're really enjoying it. But the thing is, most people aren't really enjoying it. They're just working to, to work or pay off debt. And most people aren't saving money. If anything, they're going more and more in debt. So it's almost like, why are we working? Like, what, what's the point of of this existence? You know, of is it just to get the two-week holiday every year? Like, like why, why do people do what they do? And I, I don't think anyone ever really stops to think about it. People just do it because they think that's the normal path in life. You know, you go to school, you get a job, you work, you spend money, you buy stuff, and then you go on vacation, you know, hopefully once a year, maybe not even yeah, that. Exactly. That's depressing because that was my life, actually. I was just uh, getting paid to pay my my expenses and my expenses were pouring and all those things in my in my house my car and uh, well it was crazy i didn't know exactly where my money yeah, was and nobody going knows. i mean and you know a lot of it goes to expenses of just going to work so clothes you buy the car that you buy so you can get to and from work the gas you buy the insurance you buy you know and the like the opposite of it now is Let's say as a digital nomad, let's say we're working and we're not saving any money. You know, people might, some people might be like, "Oh, you know, you're not, you know, you're not very successful if you're only making, you know, eight hundred bucks a month or a thousand bucks a month and you have no savings." But I would argue that if even if you only make twelve thousand dollars a year as a nomad, but you get to live in different countries and really enjoy the experience, you know, of of life and see cool things be in new places and at the end of the year even if you have zero dollars in savings you're still way better off than if you made fifty thousand dollars a year living at home like your home country and you know having zero dollars at the end of the year because you spend all your money you know in, in normal life or worse being in debt at the end of the year like it, like it almost doesn't matter how much money you make; it's how much you keep, but also the experiences that you have, and how you know uh, while you're yeah, living your life. Yeah, totally agree with that, and it worth it worth it. I mean, if you are with zero dollars at the end of the year, but at least you have all those experiences, and you are not in debt, you're better off for than sure. Someone who made yeah, exactly. five times as much money as you, but <laughs> yeah, like yeah. didn't yeah, do anything for sure, and. Yeah, that was my my life. I I was in that trap, in this social that social trap, and well, I started doing things differently with my friends. I had to quit all those party guys, and well, I I had to 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 make a a lot of changes to to start this journey, and as you said. Well, I was just spending money and driving two hours, three hours a day or four days, four hours a day. 
that was crazy. I I mean, I you you're wasting your your life sitting inside your car. If you're at least you have to listen a, a, a audiobook or a booth, uh, a podcast or something like that to learn something new. And that's what I did. I was while well, I was stuck in traffic jam, I was listening podcasts, audiobooks and I don't know something new to learn. And uh, I decided that yeah, I'm going to take this step because anyways I don't have nothing to lose. I need I mean I have something to win not to lose. Yeah, that's a really good point. I think a lot of people who have been on this podcast have been through the same journey where they had a normal job and during their commute or even while working instead of just mindlessly listening to music, you know, which is entertaining, right? Of course, you know, I like music, but like you don't learn anything from music. It's just a distraction. It's the same as going to bars and clubs on the weekend. It's really just a distraction, you know, to blow off some steam or give you something to do over the weekend because, you know, you're not really enjoying life. While when you're traveling, we don't, I mean, we still go to bars and, you know, clubs sometimes, but like, we don't have to, like, we go there just cause you know, it's, we've done cool stuff and we go to socialize, but like, it's not like a need. It's not like I have to go out this weekend because I hate my life. Or I'm so stressed or, you know, whatever it is. Yeah, that's true. Um, I remember uh, that's a funny story. I, uh, when I was going back to home in my car, I saw a friend on the street. So I said, hey, man, hop in my car. Oh, thank you. So I was listening one of those uh, audios. I think it was something about uh, discipline of Jim Rom in Spanish. And this, this friend, this guy said, really? Are you, do you listen to these kind of things? Yeah. Why? Why do you ask that? Well, you, do you have a good audio here in your car? You should play some good music. Yeah, but now uh, it's, it's not my goal now to play music in my car. I need to learn something good for my life. And that's when I realized that people is just doing things unconsciously. Just because, yeah, I, I am doing this because, yeah, it's what I had to do. And they don't even know what, why they are doing those things. And I had a conversation with this guy. And I remember that at the end of the, of the conversation, uh, he said something like, oh, man, thank you. Because I, I didn't think about these topics. I, I, I never talk about with someone else about this. So I remember that for me, it was kind of... Uh, an insight for him you know like uh i don't know it was like uh, inspiration for him because after that he started with books like self-development and yeah um financial freedom and we after that we were talking about what kind of books we were reading so i think you can influence people with just one chance you have to talk with someone else. You can really inspire a friend and you know, possibly change their life by just reframing something or sharing, you know, like what you're doing. So for all of you listening to this podcast, you know, you're the one percent. You've made it, you know. You're not just mindlessly listening to, to music during your commute. You know, you're probably listening to a podcast. So if you have any friends who you think would benefit from something like this, 
you know, just, cat, you know, don't like tell them they're an idiot and wasting their life. But, you know, just be like, hey, have you ever, you know, listened to podcasts? You know, like you show them how to, how to actually even download podcasts. You, you'll be surprised how many people in the world don't even know how to play a podcast or download a podcast. And, you know, if you tell them like, oh, yeah, check out Travel Like a Boss, you know, you might just change their life. Yeah, yeah, that's true because um, that was exactly what I did. I started uh, listening to this podcast on audiobooks and reading a lot. I remember that I bought my Kindle on August 2016. And that year I read seven books from August to December. And next year I read uh, on 2017, I read like 34 wow. or something like that. Wow. Yeah, so can you imagine for reading nothing to have more than 40 books in your mind? It was like, yeah, I think I need to do something different and I am getting ready for awesome. So then what made you to actually take that first step? Like where was the first place you moved Well, to? because I wanted to travel and I wanted to feel free i mean i don't want it to be selling my time i don't want to be in debt and just buying things and my main goal was to afford to travel for whenever i want and whatever i want because i i remember that i i saw a video of tony robbins who i think someone asked him how he could describe success and he said he's doing whatever you want whatever you want whenever you want something like that so i think that's true because if you want to do something right now somewhere else uh, for two weeks or two months that's kind of success because you you are doing what you want and my main goal was to travel. And for me, uh, when people came to my country, I thought the same. Oh, those people, those rich people, they have a lot of money because they are traveling. But then I realized that I, I can do this as well. I mean, Guatemala is different because, I mean, we are a developing country and it's a small country and the government, the government is... Uh, not good actually so we have uh, i mean in a lot of countries like that but we are even worse so well it's very the, the i mean life or living there is it's hard so i think that i did this because i wanted to not to escape but to get a better life and to feel free and now I am here in, in Chiang Mai. I've been around Southeast Asia. And as you said, maybe it's not cheaper here than my country, but I have now more experience in life. I've been hanging out with nice people, meeting new places, having good experiences, good landscapes, amazing landscapes like Power Island and Komodo Island. So now I feel like I am living now. When I was working, I had a good job. Actually, I had a good relationship with my boss and with my co-workers as well. So when I told them that I was going to quit, they were like, really, why? 
you're good here yeah but i don't want to be here in my comfort zone and if i stay here i'm not gonna grow i'm just gonna be surrounded with like-minded people like in my bubble you know like if you don't travel if you don't get out of your comfort zone you're not gonna grow you're you're not gonna meet amazing people you're gonna you're not gonna have yeah definitely agree experiences. and that's why i love hosting the nomad summit every year it's because we get together so many like-minded people who have all escaped this rat race or at least have started it you know there's a you know probably half the people already are successful and have a great business but the other half is usually people who just took their first step maybe they this is their first trip you know to thailand or outside of the country or they kind of use it as a landmark and say okay by january 17th 2020 i'm going to be location independent i'm going to quit my job i'm going to move to thailand you know i'm going to come meet 400 other digital nomads you know make some friends make some connections and i'm gonna start this life yeah i think the first step is to change your mindset about what you want in life because if you want to be in the same position doing the same things you're gonna stay like that every year and that's not growing as, uh, as a person i think and taking the first step um this these events like uh the nama summit i think uh, you can have like a roadmap about what to do because when you are in this situation it's like yeah i want to do this i i, I want to maybe do this or maybe this you have like a lot of op options but you don't have where to start and if you have like a roadmap it's easier and now uh i i actually wanted to to be here in this event the last year but i still was working so i decided well next year but now i am here and i'm going to be in that event uh, and i'm very excited cool I, I think you'll like it a lot so i think it's exciting so the fir first step to recap it is change the mindset and you can do that from you know, where you guys are now so even if you're still working a nine-to-five job you can just change little habits like listening to podcasts or audiobooks instead of listening to music while you're commuting you know it's having a plan and saying okay you know maybe i can't make it this year but next year i'm going to be at the nomad summit no matter what and then the second phase or kind of the key would be to change your location change your environment because if you're still living in the same place you're still doing the same thing it's really hard to to be different or to break free but if if you change physically change your location like you come to chiang mai for example like it, it's almost a guarantee that that everything else will change too yeah that's true because um now uh i've been here for this is my second time here in chiang mai and this is uh my second month but the first time i was here like three months ago i met interesting people i mean different roles different stories and you can learn from them and you can actually apply like some strategies from those people i mean so when you are surrounded by like-minded people it's easier to get involved in this journey and you're like oh well i am here and well i can do or i can 
apply this strategy strategy or something like that but it's different if for example if i will if i wouldn't be here now maybe in my country just in my room working could be boring and kind of depressing <laughs> just working a lot and maybe for someone that's good but for me i i thought at that moment back then uh, that i needed something different like a different country different culture and i think that point is it's very useful because if you're going to stay just in your country doing the same maybe you are going to be working on your project or business but it's better if you are doing something I, I definitely agree. And this is why I have this podcast and I take the, I spend the time, energy and money to produce a show is because I know there's a lot of people who don't have the opportunity yet just to, to travel. They maybe, you know, they're isolated, you know, in their home country or at work or commitments, or maybe you're even traveling already and you're just not meeting that many other digital nomads or other successful people. This is a way to connect everyone, to you know, share stories, share experiences, uh, you know, share ideas and what works uh, to a big audience. And this is why, you know, I think so many people like randomly like come up to me on the street and be like, hey, you know, I listen to your podcast and, you know, you're one of the reasons why I came to Chiang Mai. And that's actually how, how I met yeah, you. Yeah, exactly like that. <laughs> um, if, you, if you know, I, I was coming from the gym that night and five minutes ago, I just finished uh, to listening the the uh, one the last the last podcast podcast of you. Uh, suddenly, I, I I found you on the street and I was like, <laughs> "Oh, what's 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 going on here?" <laughs> yeah, I was uh, like, "What? What?" That would have been funny if it, it was still playing and then you saw <laughs> yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd be like, "I'm listening yeah. to you right now." Yeah, man, I am listening to you right now and you're here in person yeah that will be funny <laughs> yeah but what's cool about that is like i re literally just randomly met on the street and you're like hey johnny you know i want to thank you like can i take you to lunch and i was like oh yeah that's, you know i appreciate that i, I like food and you recommended the this grilled chicken place which i love and then we were just talking about guatemala and we we're talking about like travels i was like you know what we should do a podcast yeah we share this I, conversation with everyone i want to say thank you here because you're like an a good influence about this journey i am doing now and all your advices your tips about traveling saving money and those travel hacking tips are very useful and I think one of the most important things of this podcast and following your blog is that you learn something that nobody is going to teach you. Just the person who already is doing it. So if you want to have a different lifestyle, you have to emulate, em emulate someone who is already doing it. So that's what I did. Um, and now is why we are talking here in Chiang Mai, and I, as I said, I I very I am very grateful for that. Yeah, for all your information on all inspiration for because I think it's not just uh, in my case. A lot of people 
I think is in the same position right now. Like, ah, yeah, um, listening podcasts in their cars or something like that while they're were stuck in traffic, or <laughs> it's it's very common, you know. Yeah. So shout out to all of you uh, who are listening, no matter where you guys are at currently right now. I hope to meet all of you in person, hopefully at the next Nomad Summit. Uh, you can go to nomadsummit.com for more information about the next events. But if you're listening, you know, in December or January, come come to Chiang Mai. <laughs> I mean, I don't I don't know what commitments you guys have, but you know, try to get out here because I guarantee when you're here in Chiang Mai and you're meeting all these other digital nomads, literally walking on the street here in the Neiman Heyman area where there's 40 coffee shops and hundreds of nomads, you know, especially during January where 400 digital nomads are going to come to Chiang Mai to come to the Nomad Summit, it's a great place to be. And it's a great place to meet other like-minded people who also are building businesses making money online, traveling while, you know, and working while traveling. Uh, so I highly, highly recommend it. Get tickets at nomadsummit.com. Uh, Luis, uh, any parting words? Uh, well, yeah, I highly recommend to invest in yourself. And one kind of investing in yourself is join this kind of events because I've been a couple before in Latin America and you share and you networking you're doing networking with people and this event is like uh gasoline for your entrepreneurship because you need some support and sometimes you feel like like you're alone so when you are surrounded with like-minded people you feel like oh, yeah uh, a lot of people is doing it doing this and yeah, if you have the chance to come here to Chiang Mai, join us, guys. Thanks so much for listening. Hopefully, I see you guys in Chiang Mai, and I'll see you guys all next week. If you like the show, please go to iTunes, rate and review it, give it five stars. You know, leave a positive review, tell, tell everyone why you like the show, and then share it with your friends. Thanks so much, and uh, see you guys somewhere in the world. Hopefully, in Chiang Mai. Thank you for listening to the Travel Like a Boss podcast. If you want to hear more, including the bonus, how to choose the perfect niche episode, join our mailing list at travellikeabosspodcast.com. See you next week. And remember, if you want to travel like a boss, you need to be your own boss. So start your online business today and start living the lifestyle you've always dreamed of.